Welcome to the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Now, here's your host, Associate Editor Mark Demko. So, hey, everybody, and welcome to the Bow Hunting Podcast. First and foremost, belated Happy New Year. Um, right now, as we date this, we're literally uh, one or two days from the Archery Trade Association show where you get to see the latest and greatest in the uh, archery industry from new bows and crossbows to accessories, uh, blinds, and optics. So uh, exciting time of the year for everybody in the industry and everybody who looks forward to all the new gear and equipment that comes out every year. And uh, on that note, I'm really excited to have uh, Rick Bednar here with us. Rick is the, uh, uh, the founder and now the executive chairman of 10 Point Crossbow Technologies in Ohio. Rick, Thank you for taking time and your incredibly busy schedule to join us. Well, I thank you very much for uh, considering and inviting me to be a participant. Yeah, and I, I will say now I shoot both compound and crossbow. Years ago, I started to develop a, a shoulder injury and I migrated towards shooting a crossbow. Uh, that's since gotten better, but uh, it was a great way to get a feel for the benefits of crossbow hunting. And I still hunt with them today. And so... Uh, I've had a chance to shoot a number of your uh, innovative crossbows uh, over the past few years. They're really remarkable. High-end, you've incorporated so many features into them from the not only the accuracy and power standpoints, but also from the safety perspective. And we're going to talk about them a little bit, but the, we're going to take a moment and step back. You've, you've spent your whole life in archery. Uh, your dad was a world-class shooter, and uh, you started shooting at a young age. You were a competitive archer. So let's let's start at the beginning. How did you get started in archery? How did that lifelong passion develop? Well, when I was very young, I think probably right around four years old, um, I went out in the woods at the place where we used to live. And my mom helped me cut down a tree branch. I took one of my dad's old bow strings, made a bow out of it, truly a, a tree branch bow. And uh, started shooting in the backyard with my dad, who at the time was just introduced to archery and was becoming, uh, you know, very uh, well known and ended up making the world championship team uh, from the USA in about 1961, I think. So I would have been like four at the time. Yeah. And so you, you've been shooting now for, for many, many years. And uh, early on, you were a champion in college, if I remember correctly. You qualified for the Olympic team. And so I'm going to ask you, what's your fondest memory when you think back on all the competitive archery that you've done over the years? Is there something that stands out to you? Well, I think I would say all the time that I spent with my dad uh, coaching me, uh, traveling uh, really throughout the United States, and then on international basis, you know, I probably made maybe seven or eight world type international teams, whether it be world championships, championship of the Americas, uh, obviously qualified for the Olympic team in 76, didn't get to go because the team got cut from three shooters to two due to the housing shortage in Montreal. But nonetheless, I made the team and uh, very proud of that certainly as a highlight in my shooting career. Uh, but a lot of great memories from traveling all over the world was some of the best archers in the world. Yeah. Now, um, I think a, a great question now is you, you've spent so much time, you have incredible foundation in um, compound shooting and traditional archery. How'd you make that transition to, to crossbows? What, 
what piqued your interest there? How did you make that switch? Well, I would say, first of all, I've always enjoyed the, you know, the mystical flight of an arrow, whether it's shot out of a recurve bow, a compound bow, a long bow or a crossbow. And that's always fascinated me. I think I probably learned most of that from my dad or, you know, that was the foundation of why I, uh, you know, became so interested in that. Uh, but the story behind getting into crossbows is I had bought the retail store, I think in 1981 from my parents who wanted to retire. And they had a large retail store uh, really right here in the town that, that we're, we have the factory in now. And I was sitting at my desk one day in uh, 1985, and I got a phone call from, uh, I think the gentleman's name was Nick Rowlandson. And he was working with Horton and wanted to meet with me at the SHOT Show and talk about importing the Horton crossbows from Scotland and selling them in the United States. And my whole career in the crossbow field has just evolved from that first phone call. Yeah, and now over time, you started your own business and today that's 10 Point Crossbow Technologies. Um, there are a lot of ways you can take the development of crossbows. You obviously, um, chose to focus on developing very high quality, high end crossbows. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, you could have also done, you know, a whole line of, uh, entry level crossbows, mid level, but you wanted to focus on quality upper end. What was the reason behind that? Well, when I got started in the crossbow business, I think there was a big missing part of the crossbow offerings at the time that in, revolved around safety, uh, quality, accuracy, uh, user-friendly features that would allow for a wide range of participants, whether it comes through someone like yourself who had a shoulder injury or someone who was maybe just getting started in bow hunting and couldn't pull enough weight whether it be in a compound or a recurve to meet the minimum weight requirements in some of the states, uh, that would particularly fall on youth or, uh, you know, in, in most cases, you know, female participants. So the crossbow had a big opportunity, I thought, to improve upon accuracy, uh, dependability, reliability. Uh, and that's kind of where we carved our niche uh, early on. And it's been a feature safety uh, driven uh, kind of corporate motto every day when we come to work and we talk engineering and kind of what's on the horizon and what the market needs and how we can make it better. Yeah, and, and uh, I think, you know, you hit a nail on the head there with the, the safety element. And I remember when I started, I mentioned I started uh, hunting with a crossbow, I don't know, it was about 10 years ago. And because of the shoulder injury, I would actually use my daughter's huge crossbow because it was hard to pull and cock it with a rope. But uh, um, you've developed uh, through a progression of technologies an incredible system for cocking and decocking your bows. And right now, that's the active slide with that thousand-pound nylon strap and the safe cocking and, and, and decocking, where if your hand comes off the handle or you know you go of it, it's going to stay in place. So from the safety perspective, you're not going to injure yourself. Uh, you're not going to damage the bow. It's it's incredible. And then also, there's only about five pounds of force that goes into cocking. The crossbow, so um, it's quite impressive. Uh, but I'm guessing that it took a, a number of years till you got that point. Can you talk a little bit about maybe uh, all the work behind the scenes that you put into developing that AccuSlide? 
Well, sure. Early on, we developed the AccuDraw back in the mid-90s, and that went through a couple iterations, then the AccuDraw 50, uh, then the AccuDraw Pro. And as we went through those development curves, we uh, ended up saying, you know, people want to uncock their crossbow rather than, you know, have to shoot a discharge arrow, whether it be into a discharge bag or the ground at the end of their hunt, if they weren't able to take a shot and harvest an animal. So we began thinking about ways that you could accomplish that. And that process was about a three-year process. And we developed several iterations. We developed kind of the concept of uh, how we wanted it to function and not be noisy and be very safe for the user who, uh, when you don't have a safety cocking mechanism, you could find yourself in a position where the handle spins out of control, much like a, you know, a wench on a boat trailer where it kind of gets away from you and spins wildly out of control. So that process put us into the design phase of the AccuSlide. We obviously wanted the cords and the strap to be strong. So we ended up with the strap. And like you had mentioned, a thousand pound type uh, strap uh, strength. And that gave us uh, you know, a factor of safety uh, well over two times the required uh, poundage of pull on that strap. And it's just been wildly popular. It's without a doubt, state-of-the-art uh, new technology that uh, the market was asking for and that we were able to uh, design and, and bring to life. Yeah, and, and like I said, it's an incredible part of your bows. Almost all your, your bows for 10-point line have that. And uh, it, it's really peace of mind when you have the ability to not only cock that bow, but safely decock that bow. And I, and I think the other big um, technological advancement that you've had in the past year or two has been that Nitro 5 or 5, where you're able to launch a bolt. An incredible, I never thought we'd get to this point, but 505 feet per second. Um, so obviously you had a lot of work that went into that behind the scenes to, to create a crossbow that could handle that, um, draw weight and then that force that goes behind that. So, uh, how long did you work on that before you were able to roll that out? Is that something that you were working on for years behind the scenes? Cause that's pretty innovative. Yeah, I think there, there was a time when I worked very closely with the U S government and the military, uh, to develop a crossbow, uh, in their war fighting lab. And that evolved into bringing to the engineering team here some new ideas and some new opportunities. About three and a half years before the Nitro 505 came out, we uh, had it as a, you know, a lead project, a top three project in our engineering team's list of projects to accomplish. And I would say about 18 months before the 505 actually hit the market, uh, it was in the final phases of testing, uh, accuracy, durability, performance. You know, we have some pretty high standards as far as, uh, you know, number of shots, number of bows, kind of pass the uh, muster uh, before we bring it to market. So over the course of that 18 months, the 505, um, 
you know, it absolutely uh, made sense to bring it to market right at that 500 foot per second and have the durability and the accuracy that we were seeing. There's a certain segment, as in any part of the shooting sports, where the user wants, you know, the magnum version, whether it be of a, a caliber rifle or a pistol. And so that evolved into the same mindset with the crossbow. Yeah, and I think you mentioned the testing and uh, some of those components. I think, if I remember correctly, you go through like ten thousand shots before you're even comfortable starting to push them out. And so you have actually a world-class development and testing facility out there in Ohio. Talk a little bit about that. I'm, I'm imagining the size and the uh, of the buildings and the complex has grown over time as you evolved in the crossbow industry. But but tell us a little bit about that because you have to do a lot of work behind the scenes before you're comfortable with rolling any single model out, right? Right. So we have a facility that's just dedicated to engineering, design and development, along with testing. Uh, the lab that we have, the building is actually uh, kind of the middle building of our campus here where we have three buildings. And that building was the original uh, retail archery store that I had mentioned earlier that I bought from my parents. And I completely converted that into a training room, a conference room, a lab engineering lab and then the engineering center and it shares some space with procurement so that they can work closely in developing the part and then developing the relationship with the vendor that is ultimately going to make that part but we have 3d printing we have a couple different uh, printers we have uh, also got multiple testing equipment whether it be cycling equipment or we can maybe cycle a bow front end like the 505 we could cycle that 10,000 times from friday night to monday morning unattended it's got you know counters and trackers and photograph uh, capability on it so that we can look at you know what what did the bow look like after 900 shots or after 2100 shots or whatever which might happen on a saturday morning you know after it's cycled all night and then we also have uh, some robotic testing equipment for limb deflection we also have, you know, mills and CNC equipment, and we can build a prototype uh, literally with 3D printing in our own internal machine shop. I've seen us develop a crossbow design with printed components in as little as two and a half days. Yeah, and so obviously you covered a lot there with all the work that goes in behind the scenes. And, you know, every right around the holiday season, every December or so, you come out with some new models, and you've just actually come out with uh, uh, three dynamic 10-point models for the coming, the, the Flatline 460, the Stealth 450, and the Viper 430, which I actually had a chance to shoot last week. Phenomenal bow, shoots 430 feet per second. But uh, what I like with the trigger and the setup is a really smooth shooting bow, that Viper. But I don't want to steal your thunder. Why don't you talk a little bit about those three models that you're coming out with here for 2023? Well, I think that, Phil, who's now the president of the company, my oldest son, his vision for product launches for 2023 was uh, to take the base models that we had been producing under various uh, model names and develop kind of the premiere of each of those models uh, in the 23 launch. So when you look at forward draw and reverse draw, these new bows that are being launched have uh, New features, stiffer, uh, higher, stiffer scope mounting and rigidity for these bigger 
scopes that people are now getting involved in with uh, some of those scopes weigh, you know, 24 to 30 ounces. So that requires a stiffer scope rail, uh, higher performing forward draw bows, uh, smoother shooting reverse draw bows, uh, all of this kind of wrapped into the 10 point launch. And then I believe next week is the launch of the new Wicked Ridge uh, bows, kind of the last week of December. So we're going to have a series of launches uh, here in the in these two weeks of both the Ten Point and the Wicked Ridge brands prior to the ATA show. Yeah, no, that, and that's exciting. And I, I noticed that when I had a chance to shoot the Viper 430, you do have that bigger, stronger dovetail mount for for like if you're shooting thermal optics or a range finding scope, and you also added in those struts to give even uh, more support. And I think one of the goals is for those bow hunters who are looking to maybe extend their range a little bit. Uh, that, that gives them a lot of options there. So uh, that Viper 430, great bow. And actually, for people who are listening to the podcast, you can go online. We we just put up a video uh, as we walk through every component of that Viper 430. Uh, and we also did another one for the Flatline 460. So uh, now you mentioned your sons. They've been involved with the, the company for a number of years. Uh, Phil actually started the Wicked Ridge line uh, several years ago. And and you've undergone a bit of a transition this past year. You want to talk a little bit about that? Are you, are you still working in the office and in the shop, or your son's handling all the day-to-day? Well, actually, uh, I've been coming in. On October 1st, I announced my retirement, uh, certainly from a day-to-day operations standpoint. I promoted my son, Philip to the president and uh, CEO of the company, and my other son, Stephen, to the executive vice president and COO of the company. So they operate on a day-to-day basis. Um, They operate the business, both sides of the house, manufacturing and operations, and then sales and marketing and finance on the other side of the house. I still come in on a pretty frequent basis. Uh, I set my goals now to spend a lot of my time in engineering, uh, attend the engineering meetings. I have a lot of ideas that I've created over the years, kind of in a manila file that I haven't necessarily been able to bring to market or bring to life. And I'm hoping that I can do that. And that's really where I think I can add some tremendous value as I've taken my 40 years in this industry to um, to that level of focusing on engineering and not really worrying about, you know, the production line or the sales calls and, and the launch of new products. Uh, from a marketing and cataloging standpoint. And Phil and Steve, certainly one, two of the smartest uh, guys that I have met in the industry. I guess as a dad, you know, maybe people will think that that's, you know, what you expect me to say. But I've been in this industry a long time. And those two young men have been passionate. They work 24-7 in trying to make the business better, make the product uh, launches uh, smoother, cleaner. Uh, so it's something that I, as a third generation now, I am uh, very excited to watch their new careers and how they take Ten Point and the Wicked Ridge brands to the very next level. Yeah, and, and uh, stepping back a minute, you mentioned uh, your sons and how involved they've been with the business. Phil actually started Wicked Ridge uh, years ago. Uh, before we started the podcast, you mentioned that was like his first project uh, with the company, and it's uh, evolved. And, you know, when you think of the Wicked Ridge line, one of the nice things is you can tap into some of the technologies from 10 point, but, but uh, your goal is to 
develop high quality yet affordable crossbows in that Wicked Ridge line. Uh, can you give us a little bit of insight and what is uh, coming out for 2023 with Wicked Ridge? Well, I wouldn't be allowed to tell you that, but I can tell you that it will be more technology and innovation than Wicked Ridge has had in a long time. They're definitely uh, going to be models in that lineup that serve the entry-level uh, market needs, both from a safety and feature standpoint, as we're able to trickle down some of the designs that we've launched over the years with 10-point into that entry-level brand. That brand is USA-made. Um, it's one of the few uh, brands at that level that is still made in America. Most of those brands are imported from offshore. And we build that brand right on the same assembly line that we build the 10-point brand. So you'll want to continue to see some of those features and safety uh, uh, areas into the Wicked Ridge line over the next 12 to 24 months. And that's very exciting because, you know, as I mentioned, you try to develop high quality bows that are also affordable. Most of the Wicked Ridge line is probably about $1,000 under. So you're, you're talking mid-level to entry-level price. So it's it's uh, an incredible bargain, yet it's a high quality crossbow. And, uh, you know, as we were talking, you mentioned as you're not as involved in the day-to-day -day much anymore, you want to focus on idea development and engineering. And so it made me think, I don't know how much, without spilling the beans here, is there an area you'd like to focus? Is there an underrepresented area in the crossbow industry that maybe you want to see some new ideas developed in? Well, you know, I suppose everybody would have a different opinion, but I think that user-friendly features on crossbows, similar to the AccuSlide, mm -hmm. and then quivers, broadheads, uh, shooting stability when you freehand shoot your crossbow, arrow development when it comes to spine, spine indexing, weight, uh, front of center balance points, and so on are all areas that that's all been very much a part of my career and certainly in the competitive shooting side of things. So I think I can bring some new areas of excitement in the accessories and the uh, features of the crossbow that we haven't brought to market yet, but have always been kind of projects number 15 through 20 on the project list. And I'm hoping to move those up the list a little bit higher and, and uh, the consumer will, will get big benefits out of these uh, new ideas. Well, looking forward to seeing those come to fruition over the, the next couple of years, hopefully. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, we are the bow hunting podcast. You're a hunter yourself. What's your, what's your favorite bow hunting memory? When you think back over all the years, is there something that jumps out, whether it be with your family or something else? Uh, that you still think about fondly on a regular basis? Well, I would say um, when Phil and Steve both ended up, you know, out of college and working for the company, they're about four years uh, apart. Um, I took them on an elk hunt in Colorado and neither of them had ever bow hunted with a traditional compound bow in their entire life. They both played sports in college, in high school and then in college. So the time commitment that that required didn't allow them to get out and do much practicing with a compound bow or hunting at all, period. We went on an elk hunt in Colorado, took camera crews and did some filming. And both of them shot elk with compound bow. And it was the first animals that they'd ever harvested with 
compound bow. So I think of that often. Uh, I would say uh, in my own personal hunting time, uh, two real memories. One was a big eight point that I took in Illinois with my compound bow. Mm -hmm. And one was this year where I took a, a main frame 10 with my crossbow. Uh, I'm an avid whitetail hunter. That's probably my big passion. Elk would be number two. So those are my three best memories uh, that I think about frequently. Where did you get that one this year? Was that in Ohio, your home state? Yeah, so we have a family farm about an hour away from the factory. And I had, uh, you know, we plant food plots and mm -hmm. uh, we have a, a program to uh, certainly grow bigger antlers and bigger deer and healthier herd. And I watched this buck, you know, all summer, all spring, uh -huh. all summer. And then I was able to harvest him uh, maybe the third week of October. So kind of early in the season, maybe pre-rut uh, for most people. And uh, he was a big one. He scored 183. So he wow. had a lot of. Well, well, that's great. And obviously you put a lot of work into developing the property and the food plots and things. And a deer like that doesn't pop up overnight. I'm, I'm sure it took uh, several years of being patient on the farm and all that good stuff. But, uh, uh, you know, I want to take time and thank you so much for you taking time out of your busy schedule to join us on the Bow Hunting Podcast. Excited about the new 10-point bows, the new Wicked Ridge bows. Uh, for everybody who's listening to the podcast, uh, go to 10pointcrossbows.com. Check out the bows on the website. You always come up with dynamic, new crossbows and already looking forward to what you're going to come out with over the coming year. So thank you so much. Uh, Happy New Year. And for everybody listening to the Bow Hunting Podcast, uh, good luck as you get out in the field all throughout. Thank you. Thanks for downloading the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting Magazine on your local newsstand or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com.